welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. And with me today is my co-host. Uh, managing editor and writer ScreenGeek.net, Mark Salcedo. I'm always, I always get like <clears throat> perplexed whenever we start recording because I'm like, what the fuck is that sound? I'm just, and then I'm thinking, oh no, that's just the air. Like well, the heater was on pretty loud and also the water thingy. Yeah. But, more water in it. <laughs> yeah. But it's more, I'm more hearing a, like a. I'm hearing static too. Yeah. It's, it's static because. We don't have the place properly soundproofed. Yeah. Why not? I don't, I don't got money for that. I'm unemployed. Okay, but I do have something that might help. What, like a like a tube? I don't know. <laughs> think of something funny. What? I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking like a tube, like a <clears throat> toilet paper roll tube. He's like, you know, oh. but obviously that's not going to work. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'll stop talking. No. Hey. Hmm. I got your face tattooed on my back. Yeah, I know. Why wouldn't you? Look at this mug. Well, I'm saying that's what will help. Mm-hmm. See, folks, this beautiful face comes through the mic, so you can actually hear see. Is that where hearsay comes from? <laughs> yeah, from my beautiful face. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> at the real appeal at g- gmail.com is our email i just re- hold up i just realized what cup uh, what cup you're using for your cup of water <laughs> it's your kid's <laughs> little cup pink <laughs> pink plastic cup. you normally have like <clears throat> like one of your actual like cup cups like a, you have an adult <laughs> sorry an adult cup instead of using your kid's pink <laughs> cup you put all the cups i was using in the sink all because three of them. Because they're dirty. You could have rinsed it out. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> well, it's good you did because my brain was like... <laughs> um, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal to ease in real. You can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us on wherever you listen to our podcast, we would really appreciate it. <clears throat> Our segments for this week's show are our recent review of Babylon, the one that came out this year. I guess there's one from like the 70s or something. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's this one, the recent one. Okay. And our geriatric cinematic of Barton Fink, which came out in 1991. Mark. Uh, yeah, this is Babylon for 1980. Okay, sorry. Cool. What's the Turpic? <laughs> Hollywood fuckery. <laughs> Yeah, there is a 1980 film called Babylon. It's a British drama um, directed by Franco Rosso. So, Rosso, yeah. Uh, Babylon is an incendiary portrait of, a, of racial tension and police brutality set in Brixton, London. Not at all. <laughs> the Babylon we saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, Has anything happened in the two days since we've recorded? You know what? I was going to think about, I was going to think about this year, like... Well, like a year capper? Yeah, like a year capper. 
Um, something we can talk about for maybe like 10 minutes before we hop into our recent review. Yeah. Um, you want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first. Uh, so, yeah. What happened to me this year? Uh, oh, I had we had COVID at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. We got COVID. I remember that. Uh, we got COVID. And then we both were looking for work. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going chrono- chronologically. Oh, I, uh, thought, I thought that was the next step. <laughs> no, the next step was <clears throat> um, I did have a job. I remember I had like a regular nine to five office job that I got. I got fooled into getting because when uh, the place hired me, they told me I would be working on like their website and their social media and all this other kind of stuff. And the guy was like, yeah, 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 eventually we'll get to it. We'll get to that. And then what happened is they just put me up for office work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember. Didn't they have you go out on like one or two of the deliveries too? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to be a warehouse clerk, warehouse and office clerk. And that's when I met one of the most um, pieces of shit I've ever encountered in my life. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I'm going to say this now. Because I'm gonna try to get out there in the out there in the air in the world, um, that I remember saying, you know what, I'm gonna get a good paying job. That's gonna be, it's gonna be a good paying job. It's gonna get me out of my um, to an apartment. It's it's gonna be something I really want to do, and I got that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you know the fa- the infamous, did I get the job? I get the job. <laughs> yeah, right? when I had when I get, when I got that job, I couldn't believe I got that job. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I got that job. <laughs> And I kept I kept doubting myself like this. That conversation didn't happen for like a month. You were like asking me, "Did I get the job?" Yeah. Like, did that really happen? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Let me see that. That we went to we went back to Comic Con. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hung out with Dan Harmon and his crew. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Oh my god, that was so stupid. (laughs) I was thinking about that a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. Laughing my ass off. (laughs) Uh, We went to D twenty three. Which was pretty fun. Yeah. We, we got into the Marvel panel. Mm-hmm. Um, what else happened? Moved out. Didn't you get your um, bipolar diagnosis this year too? Yeah, that's that's another thing. Yeah, I because um, I had insurance, I went to see a therapist <coughs> and then I went to go see a psychiatrist. And I've been uh, cl- clinically labeled as having bipolar disorder mm-hmm. with general anxiety. Mm. So I have that. Uh, fortunately, I'm on medication now, and boy, do I love it. Um, what else happened? I'm trying to think what else happened. <clears throat> Lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> right before Christmas. <laughs> right the month of the, the first. You know what? This reminds me of one job I had back in 2009 when I got fired on April Fool's Day. Oh, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's a joke. Oh. Yeah, yeah, right. It was on the first day of April, and then this the job, the recent job I, I lost, I got fired on the first day of December. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't even fucking wait for me. They couldn't even wait until like the new year to be like, hey, we're gonna let you go. Yeah, out of bit that, I would have been like, fine, okay, whatever. Nope, <laughs> couldn't fucking wait. Um, yep, you did move out. You got an apartment. Yeah, I got an apartment. Um, Kelsey did point out this really, uh, this funny thing that I, I completely forgot. Um, closer to the end of the year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a new car. I want myself a new car. That's what I'm going to do. Cause this job's good enough. I'm going to give myself a new car. And then Kelsey brought up like, aren't you glad you didn't get that car? I was like, holy shit. I'm really fucked. 
Um, we got very sick. I got sick twice. Yeah, that was like two weeks prior. We got, well, you got sick one time and then another time was two weeks prior. We got it pretty bad. Uh, fortunately, we are doing much better right mm-hmm. before the new year. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess hosted on uh, the Nerdpocalypse podcast for like two weeks in a row, I think. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I'm surprised they haven't really had you back. I think because they have a full house now. They got like all, all three of their uh, hosts are are on there now. Um, well, hopefully they bring you back when they need someone to fill in. Yeah. Because um, what happened was that Jay from the Nerdpocalypse, he... Uh, um, the two, the two, his two co-hosts, Micah and Terrence, weren't available, and he was like, "Hey, do you want to be on the show?" I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" Did you replace them both? Are you big enough personality to fill <laughs> both No, no. But apparently, I did. Apparently, I did such a good job that they were like, "Oh, we, I, I gotta get you back on, man." Yeah. <laughs> so that was actually pretty awesome. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, I have my graduation this year. Oh yeah, that's right. Who could forget? I know, right? I got my I got my associate's <laughs> degree in TV production. Uh, Kelsey was there. My mom was there. Uh, my girlfriend Megan was there. Uh, my brother, his girlfriend, my niece, my daughter, and Kelsey's two daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what happened? Well, I, what <laughs> your your niece's car broke down. She like, couldn't get it out of the parking lot. Yeah, but the, the, during the graduation, there was that there was that thing that happened where uh, where they called my name, mm-hmm. and I hear like a bunch of people going like, "Wow, wow!" Like, <laughs> like screaming out my name. I was like, "That's not for me." <laughs> and come to find out, it was all of you, all of you screaming for me. Um. I think that's about it. Mm. I think that's about it. I want to, it's been a, it's been a pretty rough month for me. Uh, lost my job. Like I said, I lost my job. Uh, I had like some personal issues that came up and everything like that. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into this new year thinking a bit more positive. Also, we came up with a plan mm. right, like right after you lost your job oh, yeah, that I'll, you can I'll take fly. into the new year. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do that. Um, and the part, <clears> the thing I want to like bring out there in the world and you know, hopefully something will happen. The cosmos will answer or some shit. Um, that I want to say that like next year I'm going to find a job, a more creative job, the one that uses my talent as a writer and maybe even as a podcaster. Um, it's something I want to do, even though if it won't be like a whole, like a great amount of pay, I want to do something creatively. So I'll just kind of get it out there. Hopefully something will come along my way. Sometimes you say that and it scares me a little bit because, Why? well, like I always want you to do well, even if I'm not included, but like, mm. I feel like. And you've said before, the more creative you have to be for whatever work you're doing, mm. the less time you have to be creative not working. Like, you don't have the energy for it or whatever it, like, takes mm. your... That and, like, you already do this podcast, so if you're doing another one, I just mm. feel like... You I, won't do it on purpose, but I just think naturally I'll be left. I don't think that's going to happen because, like, the jobs I had that kind of felt like they, <clears throat> like, they, felt like they were draining me because they weren't, like... They weren't sparking that creative level for me. Mm. My my previous job, yeah, but eventually got to a point where I was like, I'm just tired of doing this this job. I think it only took two months. <laughs> yeah, no, I think like three months, maybe four. I'll say three. <laughs> um, but I'm thinking like whatever I do later on next year, hopefully, like I say, it's a creative job. I think that's gonna kind of be like, okay, I've I'm doing this now, therefore I have, I know I have the ability to do other stuff now, or I have like uh, the talent. To do other stuff. Because that's the one thing that's always holding me back. Is I'm just like, I feel like I'm not talented enough or, you know, I don't deserve, like, 
creating shit or something. Well, you don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thanks for confirming that. Confirming that. Yeah, confirming that. <laughs> uh, so, Kelsey, what, what do you got to recap for this year? Well, like you said, COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was looking for work because I wasn't happy with my situation. Mm-hmm. And I found work um, with a competitor. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be like this grand team. It was mm-hmm. just me and two brokers, and we were going to be tight. We are going to be tight. And let's see, end of February, March, April, mm-hmm. May. Took me all of four months before I texted my old broker team back. <laughs> and I was like, this isn't going to work. And, and, and this was at a time... Um, this was at a time where I, w- I had gotten my new job. Like you and I both got new jobs and they were both like well-paying jobs. Mm. And I remember thinking like, holy shit, what a, what's the uh, odds of that happening? Mm. Oh yeah. Cause I got a raise going to that job. Yeah. And um, I remember I got a particular email from the one broker and you're like, I didn't, I didn't get any attitude from it at all. I'm not reading it the same way you did. Yeah. And then, boy, were you wrong? <laughs> I was very wrong on that. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so, uh, worst summer of my life mm-hmm. because of that job. Um, but Hey, it, uh, it was the catalyst of me going and getting some mental hope because <laughs> literally true. that job was like every Monday I was like, do I go to work or do I kill myself? Mm. Cause I, I cannot keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got some help and then, then it was like a really scary time cause I was like, do I get do I get my old job back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't think it was gonna happen like most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then then I got my old job back. Um like And with, and about the same pay, right? Like not the same pay it's as exactly when you left. the same pay as the new job I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so I got my old job back and my old team. Yeah. Um whatever issues I thought I was having with one of my coworkers was a non issue. Yeah. Um and they they welcomed you back with open arms. They They're, did. They were just like, we are happy that you you you're back with us. I thought I was gonna get the side eye. Yeah. And like, everyone's like, hey, we're happy you're here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh fuck, okay. <laughs> um, they made a lot of changes, yeah. especially because I left, and like, we can't have that again. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then I got sick, right right before Halloween, mm-hmm. and then we didn't get to go out. Um. And I was sick and coughing for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Then I got sick again in November. <laughs> or, it won't, no, this was the beginning of December. But mm-hmm. it was still like like a month apart. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm at. And then also the... Also oh, the, the bipolar um, diagnosis too. Yeah, but you know, also the other stuff that you and I did together. Like, like I had mentioned earlier, Comic-Con, D23. Oh, <laughs> Beyond Fest. Oh, yeah. Beyond Fest. Went to Beyond <laughs> Fest. forget that shit. We went to Beyond Fest this year. The greatest time of the year. Oh, we went to that one. Um, um, the That fucking club. I can't remember. Secret Movie Club? No. The, lo- the Lodge Room. Oh, the yeah. The one where we were outside. Yeah. I just remember. We went to... Did we, how many times did we went to Law's Room this year? Because I remember we went to go see Nation of Language. I think that was end of last year. Okay. And we saw that, that one ska band. I feel, like, I feel like that was this year. The ska band? Yeah. No, that was last year. That was last year also? That was on my birthday. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we went to like... A, <clears throat> 
we went to an outdoor event uh, that the lodge room was throwing out. This is out in Highland Park. It was uh, like block what block party? No, it was like a it was like a block party. No, it the was, name of the band. Oh, Div. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that was the name of the band. Um, and we had a good time. We, got, we went out there and got we got pretty drunk. We stayed in the alcohol section almost the entire time. We didn't <laughs> yeah. even leave that to go into the cl- the crowd to like yeah. stand in front of the stage. We're like, no, we can hear the music from here. And yeah. we just stayed there and got so drunk that we were drunk by six. Yeah, yeah six or seven. We we're like, all right, you're going to night. <laughs> it was, the sun was still out. We we're going to night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun. Um... I'm trying to think of anybody who I know. My daughter graduated, and she's now in middle school. Um, I think that's about it. Mm. I think that's about all the stuff that happened. So it was like it wasn't necessarily like as eventful or crazy as our previous years, but we had a good time. Mm. We, had, we had a good run. Now it's time we call it quits. <laughs> Cameron got a girlfriend. Oh yeah, Leah had a girlfriend too. Did she? Yeah, she had a girlfriend for a little bit. I didn't know that. Well, shows what you know. Well, I mean, she doesn't tell me things. Yeah, shows what you know. <laughs> um, is there anything else? <clears throat> oh yeah, Caden's went on that cruise with uh, Leia. Oh God, I'll never have it again. No. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron's going. I think Cameron. I think Cameron will have a good time. I think Cameron and Leia are a better match now. Yeah, um, I'm, I told you my mom brought that up. About Cameron and and Leia hanging out together, she's like, "Oh, she likes hanging out with her because she's older." I was like, "Yeah, that's how kind of that." Because I remember that's how I was growing up. I liked hanging out with older kids. I did too. I think the thing with them is that um, Leia used to prefer Cadence mm-hmm. because Cadence was still really fun when they first met. Yeah, and Cameron had really bad boundary issues. Yeah. And then they've switched. <laughs> and now Cadence really likes being annoying and doesn't really like socializing. And Cameron's like, I like socializing. And she's kind of learned a lot about boundaries. Yeah, so. gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's about it for me this year. Um, oh, um, another thing I want to say. I'm really, I'm really, I really want to try to do this. Because... Um, Kelsey and I have been pushing. We have been pushing this idea on the back in the back burner for like two, three years now, or something like that, for a second podcast that we want to get together. Um, I want to say that we're going to try to get that together next year. I really want to get that one off the ground. Is that your your other than the job? Is that your big one big thing? Mm-hmm. For me, it's script writing. Oh yeah, because that we've been too. talking about that almost since we've started talking for like eight years. Yeah, we're like moving that a bit forward because, because um, uh, we're working on we're working on that Rod that Rod Serling idea. Mm-hmm. We're doing our research, so I think I think we're gonna go forward with those with that one too. Good, that one's really important to me because yeah. I keep putting my hopes onto that, and mm-hmm. then and then we don't do it, and then I get like really disappointed, like it hurts. Yeah. No, I get you. Stop no. hurting me. But you like it. <laughs> it hurts so good. <laughs> All right. That's none of that bullshit. What we got next? Um, Our bullshit. <laughs> our bullshit? Okay. <laughs> um, but this time it's in the form of our recent review of Babylon. What about you? Sorry? If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? 
I always want to be part of something bigger. I love that answer. Something that lasts, that means something. Something yes. more important than life. Yes. It's written in the stars. I am a star. If I had money, I would only spend it on things that were fun, you know? Not boring things like taxes. I'm just waiting for everyone to party forever. I first moved to LA, signs on all the doors said, no actors or dogs allowed. I changed that. And now, y'all ready for something different? Whoa! The synopsis is a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. It traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood. Written and directed by Damien Chazelle, it stars... Diego Calva, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Lee Joan Lee, Jovan uh, Adipo, and Gene Smart. Um, so Babylon, yeah, directed and written by uh, Damien Sagell. Suggest. Chaz- <laughs> Damien Suggest. Damien Sagell. Sagell. Chazelle. Chazelle. It's like Shazam, but Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. Okay. Um, I've actually been a fan Kelsey and I have been fans of this guy's work uh, ever since Whiplash. Um, <clears throat> Kelsey loves La La Land. You know, I loved it at the time. My opinions of it has changed. Shut up. <laughs> um, he did a movie called, I think it's called like First Man or something like that, which I was like, yeah, on. Um, so Babylon, that's one of the movies we've been lo- that Kelsey and I have been looking for. What? Hmm. I did not read that right. What? I'm looking at his 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 IMDb. What? He was one of the writers for Ten Cloverfield Lane. No way. I know. That's what I'm like. Holy shit! Like I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I love that movie. That's a great film. Um. Anyway, anyway it has yeah. John Goodman in it too. Imagine that. Why? Who was? Was John Goodman in a Damon Chazelle movie? Ten Cloverfield Lane. No, I know, other than that, but you made it sound like he's worked with them before. No, but I, my, my brain is like, hey. Oh, because we're, we're talking about Barton Fink? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, anyway, so, so I'm about to call you Damien. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> what did you what? think? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, what are your overall thoughts for um, Babylon? Um, I think it's a pretty good allegory for... Hollywood. Mm. I think it's like not very realistic. Yeah, yeah, it gets. But like, it's too. It's too. It's on the end of the spectrum. Like, it's like uh, too wild. Like some of the things. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that's something that's plausible. But it mm -hmm. like it like turns it up. Yeah, like a lot. I think I can't remember the actor's name, but he's one of the. uh, I think it was like Abbott and Costello, the fat guy. Mm-hmm. I think I remember hearing stories that he liked to get peed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned that because there's someone who gets peed on in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I, know, I know you were telling me that you heard people say that it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, it has like... <clears throat> I think the Rotten Tomato score right now is like at maybe like 50-something percent. 
Um, let me see if I'm based on the critical perception. Um, I don't have that number in front of me, but um, but yeah, it does. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong Babylon. <laughs> good job. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. I got the wrong Babylon. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go on. Um, I kind of like. I kind of can follow where it's going. So mm. it, to me, yeah, it's all over the place, but it is mm. in such a way that it's like this is Hollywood, not like oh, I don't know how to write a fucking movie. Yeah, it's it's like, and I think that's what a lot of people didn't really like about it is because it like that, that was one of the main complaints I heard is that it was all over the place, right? But I feel like that was definitely intentional. Yeah, it her it holds a fifty five percent on uh, Rotten Tomato. Mm-hmm. Um, I also kind of had issue with some of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie did a really great job, but also I'm tired of her um, uh, Harley Quinn accent. Oh, that kind of like... It was like a Boston mm-hmm. accent. I don't know. I was tired of it. Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely tired of it. So critic scores 55%. Audience scores 50%. Mm-hmm. So the consensus is that it's not. It's a straight... Uh, flop. Flop. Which sucks because uh, I think it made like $5.3 million over in, during the box office weekend. And from what I heard, it has to make like $195 million to make Ooh. its money back. Yeah, it might barely make it over amount of time. It'll probably make like twenty million during its run. Well, you said five, not fifty. Yeah, like five. Yeah, like oh. five. Like five point three. No. Yeah. 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 No. Um. So what? What were your some of your problems? You said you had other than um, Margaret Watby's uh, Harley Quinn accent. Um, <clears throat> Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand the attraction. <laughs> really? Seriously. Like, okay. I feel like now he's, like, just Brad Pitt and everything. Yeah. Like, but I feel like you could take him in Bullet Train and put him in this. Yeah, he's a little less hippy-dippy in this one, but I, I get what you're going from. I don't know where you're going at. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they didn't really... It's funny, like, they did the same thing in real life, like, on a different level that they did in the movie. Mm. They didn't focus that much on the Lady Faye character and the Sidney Palmer character. Yeah, it's it's weird. And I think... Oh, it's not that it's weird. Um, I think that's where some of the movies suffer. It's funny because, like, this movie is, like, three hours long. So it's like a, it's more than enough time to focus to to focus on all these characters and give them an even amount of exploration mm-hmm. in their like past and their things in Hollywood and stuff like that. Like I like I really wanted to get into the Sidney Palmer character. Yeah. Um, and the uh, uh, Lady Face Lady Face on Zoom Zoo Zoo. Um, I and like I feel like if granted it would have been like a white guy saying making comments on like racial diversity and issues in the Hollywood system during that time but it still would have been like oh this could have been a time for him to like maybe actually say something or showcase that and he wouldn't have to really make it his voice he Mm -hmm. could ask people that's what a writer's room is for yeah yeah or just like or i mean that's just like a uh, the the talent of a writer just kind of being like okay i don't understand i can't really give this character voice okay please like help me out with the script Mm -hmm. um maybe he kind of felt like too personal to the script or maybe like this is my script i'm the only one who can write it up maybe Mm. Um, if that's the case, I do kind of think he got 
some of that stuff right because mm-hmm. it but it was very glossed over yeah um that i mean those are pretty much the issues that i had with it mm-hmm. um well what did you what did you like about the movie the cinematography was good mm. the scale of the wildness like the really wild scenes mm. um oh one of the other things i didn't quite like was the big party scene in towards the beginning of the film mm. i liked it but i felt like it was so tight and compact it felt like a like a um what was that the word i was trying to use earlier when i was talking about the star wars thing uh too clean no remember i said i want to go to the star wars thing themed like Mm -hmm, the burlesque show oh burlesque it felt like a burlesque version of um where's waldo like there's so Mm, much shit going on yeah that's true it like and the entire frame was filled with feathers and like bling or like legs and all kinds of shit like Mm. it was too clean it was too clean Mm. um and it and the frame rate was a little quick well now when you say clean you mean just the way how it like how it looked it's like you could tell it was shot digital. And oh, like, okay. Like, but, as opposed to just using film. Right. Mm. And they, well, they didn't even put a filter on it. Like, it was just very, like, uh, it, it didn't have the ambiance, I think, that they had hoped mm, that I there would you. be. Yeah. It was just, like, like bright colors and dirt and grime, and there it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit more, for- <coughs> sorry, uh, more forgiven to that scene. Um, and mainly, mainly because like the sheer will, the sh- not the sheer will, but the balls on Damon Chazelle, who's like, we're going to have like 30 minutes of just fucking debauchery. Like, and this is how we're going to introduce these characters through all this chaos and stuff like that. And how mm. like, that is kind of an allegory of like the chaos that they will encounter later on in their movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit that it is a very Where's Waldo type thing. Where so much of so much of sh- like shit's going on, you're kind of like confused. Like it'll be like a minute where you're like, "Are those people fucking?" Wait, there's a monkey over there. That person's doing drugs. Like it just kind of goes way too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I did, like I said, I did like how they were introducing these characters. Like how they're at a party, they don't, they have very little interaction, but like in some way, they're going to affect each other's lives in a big way. Yeah. I, I do like that. It's funny because um, I agree with you a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Usually I disagree with you because like, there are times where you're like, I'll give that person a pass because I can yeah. see what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like that because I'm like, either you do it right or you, <laughs> or you don't. don't do it. <laughs> like, whether I can see it or not does not make it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this time I, I, I can kind of see your point because like, mm. It's only like a, I guess, like a mild annoyance what I said about that scene, mm. but it it does work for the reasons that you said. Mm. Um, the rest of the stuff that I liked, I liked. Um, any any like okay, you had your problems with Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. Um, is there anybody in particular that you enjoyed the performance? Uh, Margot Robbie. Okay. Like I just didn't like her accent, but I loved her acting. Mm. She was great. Okay. Um, and that might be it. Really? Yeah, like Diego Calva, he fit. He's a good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess he like he didn't blow me away, but he was pretty mm. good. I I liked him. That was the one. That was out of, um, I mean, other than like Margot Robbie, um, he was he was like the other one that was just like, all right, I like this guy's acting. Mm-hmm. Like I was really digging his shit, especially like the parts where he was like really like losing it, like mm-hmm. towards the end. That part I was like really seeing him like go from like because he he plays like this kind of cool guy like and, and he handles every situation with like a level head and he will stream if he has to but by the time like we're in the third act he's just going to stream all the fucking time because it's like it's showing how much hollywood is just slowly breaking him mm. i think that has a lot to do with his writing damage yourselves yeah like mm. the character the writing of the character because mm. i think he plays the straight guy for so much diego calva mm for most of the film mm. and that's why i'm like all right like you're not giving me that much mm, okay then when he does turn it up i'm like okay like i can see it but it's almost kind of too late yeah but i get why they did it and that's why i'm not blown away by him because he wasn't mm. too special for most of the film mm. um i'm a bit upset that uh we didn't get enough of what's his, how you say his name jovan adepo mm-hmm. um that we didn't get enough of him I was, like, really intrigued by that dude. Like, I think that's, like, one of the biggest faults for me with this movie. It's, like, I was so intrigued to, like, follow that guy more so through the movie than many of the other characters. Yeah. And it's, like, they tried to make a statement with him. Mm. And they did the one thing. And then they're, like, okay. Yeah. I'm, like, all right. That, like, that, if you're going to say something, say something. If not, yeah. then fucking don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. The, okay, so I liked the cinematography, and I mm. liked the acting from Margot Robbie. Mm. Um, what else? What else is there? Um, Chazelle. Well, the cinematographer, his name is Linus uh, Sang- Sangren. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done work, and it makes sense, because it, now I'm looking at, a, at, at Babylon and looking at his filmography. It makes sense. Like, he's done... Um, he was a director photographer uh no time to die um uh, he was on uh two of damon chazelle's movie which is first man and la la land um so like, it makes sense why the style would kind of look like that and you would gravitate toward that mm. towards that because i remember you like love la la land mm-hmm. um so what do you think of uh, chazelle's directing i i liked his directing i mm. thought that it made sense like mm. There was a time, I think I might have thought about it once, where, like, Christopher Nolan couldn't do it. Could could, do what? He couldn't do it. He could not do a film like this mm. that's supposed to be linear, Mm. but not at the same time. Yeah, and supposed to be like... Because of Westworld. (laughs) No, 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 this is Brother brother Jonathan. Okay, well, that's what I meant. No, but I get what you're saying, because, like, uh, Christopher Nolan, Jonathan Nolan, like... Despite, despite despite one being a director and one being a writer, and Christopher Nolan is a writer, but he's not as great as a writer as his brother, mm-hmm. you do get a sense of their style of like nonlinear storytelling. Right. Uh, but Chris- they really kind of fucked it um, in the first Westworld. The like, first season? Yeah, because they, they did a good job in that in uh, that season, but people were getting confused with the timeline. I remember that. I it remember, was like a big thing. I had to listen to a podcast to get, to keep up. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is going on? But I feel like um, this one, um, like Damien Chazelle did a really good job mm-hmm. keeping things straight mm-hmm. and getting the perspectives of the different characters. Yeah, and there were and, and um, 
it did have it's kind of funny because like damon chazelle's style of directing can be like equated to like jazz Mm -hmm. like bebop and stuff like that like the kind of like mayhem and chaotic nature of like jazz but there's still like a is a matter of art behind it Mm. this one he's like i'm going full fucking crazy yeah because i need it to like match the beat of like what i'm hearing in my head um but uh it's it's not like that it's not like that all the time there are moments where we're like actually get to like know the characters and like there's like some dramatic turns Mm -hmm. that i think uh, I think works well, and some of it doesn't. And some of it kind of falls flat. Mm-hmm. Um, one scene in particular, uh, not to get too crazy, but like when they had to do like this big epic shot mm-hmm. with like this German director, I absolutely like love that whole setup, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was great. Is it okay? Was that Flea? One of the one of the the cleanup men. Yeah, that uh, that was Flea. Oh, okay. Yeah, the director that was that was Spike Jones. So, well, uh, I have a question for you. Okay. When they had um, the the party scene at the beginning, there was that lady with that weird headdress, and she was kind of older. That's Jean Smart. Okay. That's mm. who I thought, but she looked like the one bad lady from um, Kronk. That, what's that show? Or that Kronk. Like, um, it's a Disney movie. Like, with the llama. The Emperor's New Groove? Yeah, she looked like that with that fucking oh dress on to me. <laughs> she looked exactly like that. She's smart looks better than that. <laughs> no, but with that on and the yeah. makeup she had, she mm. really looked like that. Mm. Um, I could not figure out what the fuck her point was for most of the film. You know what? <laughs> out of like, after like, <clears throat> after like thinking about this movie and rethinking about it and kind of like analyzing it in my head and being like, I don't know how I feel about it. And kind of like, cause I've been thinking about this movie since last night. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely forgot about her character. <laughs> That's why I put her on the list. So I uh, can specifically say why <laughs> she didn't have to be in there. She was in like, it was almost like she was like shoved in there. I feel like she was under, underutilized. She's like a great actress. Mm-hmm. Um, she's great uh, in this one show called oh, I can't remember. It's, it's like she plays a comedian on this particular show and then she shows up in like the Watchmen series. Mm-hmm. Um, you got rid of some of my people off this list. Yeah, because I had to shorten it. Were you going to name all of them? Probably because we were going to talk about um, the sound guy um, and that scene, so, because I know that you like, you like to talk about certain things, and then you're looking for actors' names. My thing. <laughs> I will say that the lady who said, I have a tattoo on my, of you on my back, <laughs> she, I see her name. <laughs> what is it? Dana uh, Marcolia? Colian? Uh-huh. Colina? There you go. Mark Colina. No, Dana Marcolina. There you go. Okay. Yeah, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That's fine. Um, mm. So, Jean Smart, I do mm. believe, I do agree with you. She was underutilized. It would have yeah. been a cool layer to have like some of these characters and their like rough patches and stuff mm. with her as like a, another layer of how things can go. Mm. You know, not just put in like one part. That there now I remember the show um, that James Smart is on. It's called Hacks. Oh, okay, that's the show. I've I've seen like the first season. That's that's a, that's actually a really good show. But sorry, that's a little detour. 
I liked her. Um, I did like her in this movie, though. Yeah, like she's, like I said, she's underutilized, but like she, she's really great in her role. There's like this really great moment. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but like there's a great moment where she's having like a frank, an honest and frank conversation with Brad Pitt's character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is how, that is what Hollywood is. Like mm-hmm. it makes sense, you know? Um, like she talks about like how you're immortalized and stuff like that and all this great stuff. And now I'm like, there you go. Like that's it. That, that that's how Hollywood is. That's great. Yeah. Um Let me see. I'm about twenty minutes in. Um you wanna hop into the spoiler section? Mm-hmm. Uh so we're gonna is it it's at great lengths, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Because <laughs> apparently I've been saying it wrong this entire time. <laughs> um so yeah, we're gonna talk about uh Damon Chazelle's Babylon uh at great lengths. <laughs> so if you <laughs> So if you don't want to be spoiled, here's your spoiler bumper right about now. Hola. Hola. Um, all right. So, the scene I was referring to um, is Brad Pitt's character can't seem to, his career seems to be at an end. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting like these shit roles. And, and there's even this article that Gene Smart's character writes um, that's just like, is this, is this guy even a viable actor? Is he going to bring in the crowd and stuff like that? And she goes into debt, into debt. Okay. Depth. Depth. <laughs> how? <laughs> I think it's the closest you've ever I, been to saying I know, it right. right? Um, about how, you know, you had your time, you know, uh, but Hollywood is changing. Hollywood's always going to change. You're never going to be able to catch up. Um, but when you die, there will be. Uh, there'll be future generations that's going to be like, they're going to find your movie and they're going to be like, Oh my God. Like they can be blown away. You're going to always be like with Hollywood legends. That's, and that's all they're going to know you as, Mm -hmm. you know, as like this, like bigger than God type character and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I thought that, I mean, it was, it was hard hitting and it was like Frank, but it was just like, yeah, that's, that's straight up like the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like, Actors now, actors and actors now, or directors who are no longer with us, we still like are just amazed by like the shit they've made. And we, we I got- agree and I disagree about that. Okay, How's, what's um, why do you disagree? Like you can go up to anybody, mm-hmm. almost anybody, and ask them who's Rock Hudson. Be like, I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. Like you can, or then, or if someone has heard the name. They only know a caricature that they've seen recently. Mm. I don't think that th- the names live on as much as people would like to romanticize. Because I honestly don't know who most of them are. That's or true, I yeah. only like am familiar with their names, not their work. Um, yeah, I can, I, can, <coughs> I can. Sorry, I can see where you're coming from, um, but I feel like I feel like as time goes on, it's it's the people who seek them out, seek them out. Or the people who get familiar with their work, those are the ones that matter because they kind of like, 
they have either like the biggest voice or the they're able to pass the word on of like you say like brock hudson for example Mm -hmm. okay so if i go to like my daughter and i'm like do you know who rock hudson is of course she's gonna be like no Mm -hmm. you know but i can tell her like this is rock hudson this is his movies this this and this and it might like connect with her Mm -hmm. and therefore she'll like pass that on to like somebody else or to somebody else um even like okay like a a great example is um your your youngest Mm. how uh, she sat with us watching the Hellraiser movies. <laughs> and, she's, and you're like, you don't think that's too much for her? Uh, I'm like, I don't know, Cadence, is it too much for you? <laughs> she's like, no, I like it. <laughs> yeah, and so that that that's that's a Clive Barker film. Mm-hmm. So that might have that's a that might affect her like, oh, I want to see more of his work. I want to get more into horror. So I'm gonna find Wes Craven. I'm gonna find John Carpenter. You know that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it kind of like just passes on this. I wonder knowledge. how she'd feel about the fly. Don't shh. Maybe we should that show her that. That one's not that bad. That is gross. That is a very gross movie. But she liked basket. She watched Basket Case with us. But that wasn't as gross. That one was more gross to me. Really? Yeah. I think the flies. The fly is what. It's like it gave Cronenberg the title of like body horror. But you get it for like a minute. Like it's it progressively gets worse, but mm-hmm. it's not like a lot throughout the whole entire film and mm. in basket case was like you kept seeing it over and over again that's true but you can <laughs> so you can't you get can away tell, from it you can tell that's like obviously fake <laughs> like a rubber and it was so gross that's true <laughs> i still think the fly's grosser but you know maybe maybe because i'm like focusing on like the third act where dude's full-on fly mode and shit like that mm. um but yeah anyway yeah that's that's one of my favorite scenes other than like the opening like 30 minutes mm-hmm. that scene is like and it's funny because like that's supposed to be like a really pivotal scene for at least for brad pitt as well but gene smart just like dominates that entire scene you think so <laughs> yeah because brad pitt just kind of sits there and listens to her and then like the only thing he like he says like oh that's not the first 30 minutes but no the- no no just that the scene between gene smart and brad pitt mm-hmm. where she's like being real with him and stuff like yeah that. yeah um i like i agree with you Okay. I forget what there was something that she said though to him towards the end mm-hmm. that I was like, "That's bullshit," <laughs> but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it was so bullshit. You're just like, I forgot it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, sorry. I got that pretty loud. Okay, so Margot Robbie. Um, she was one of she was like the one that like that you gravitated toward the most mm-hmm. in this film. What were some of the? You, can you think of a particular scene or something that was like really good that that gave you that uh, idea there were two okay i really really think she was amazing and um when she went like from the minute she arrived mm-hmm. when she was in that party yeah um i could see why uh diego calva like fanny torres mm. was into her yeah so um there was that um and i'm just like sometimes i was like sitting there i'm like wow she has a lot of energy like like in real life to do that shit yeah um and um the other one that really got my attention was when Mm. um she showed up on set for the first day oh she had to like redo the crying the crying thing yeah yeah that one really got me because of i think partially too like the image is seared in my brain Mm. um like blue eyes are spectacular in black and white Mm -hmm. and like it, it was like that that iconic um 
that iconic scene that you would get from like like a love story that mm-hmm. was all in black and white, but it would be like the lady with like the glistening eyes or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like he captured that so well. Yeah. But um, like I can't I can't get it out of my head. Mm. And she was so good at it. But it was also really funny. Like, okay, okay, can you cry from one eye? Yeah, can I, yeah, can you <laughs> give me one, one tear? Yeah, one tear from one eye, and then the other one at this particular time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah. like cry a little bit, and then. Then, then, like, start gushing tears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there, for me, for me, um, I, I'll, agree, I'll agree with you that the beginning, the beginning of the uh, the movie, the whole party scene, um, and how the how Diego Calva's uh, character falls in love with her, like right there, right? He's just like mesmerized about what he's seeing. I even like that line where he tells her like. I think I'm falling in love with you, but he says it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And obviously she doesn't like understand it. Um, but one scene of her I really enjoyed was the <coughs> the um, second party scene mm-hmm. where she was wearing overalls and she brought her dad played by Eric Roberts. Oh, yeah. And how she was like getting pissed off because like there's that scene where people were like talking shit about her. Oh, yeah. She heard them say like, yeah, she sounds like a donkey and like, yeah, she doesn't have any finesse. Yeah. And then like. It like transitions to like where, where she fights a snake. <laughs> I was cracking up because that snake was on her neck and everyone was like, ah, ah, like screaming and shit. I couldn't tell if she liked her dad or if she hated him. Oh, she hated her dad because she, she like at the beginning, yeah, because she, because there was that part where she was like, oh, he's my manager, mm-hmm. my business manager. Um, but clearly, like it was starting to, um, wear on her yeah it was starting to wear on her and she was trying to call him on his bullshit about like fighting a rattlesnake and stuff like that oh yeah um so there's that um uh, and then the the other scene where they're recording with sound for the first time mm-hmm. um and how she has to kind of kind of going off of what you said of how that scene where she like has to like repeat crying and there's the other scene that's the contrast of that, where she has to like walk into a room. She has to say a line, but it's like too loud and stuff like that. Or she missed her mark. Yeah, or she missed her mark. Or like somebody sneezed, somebody opened up the back door. Um, like all this stuff that just kept happening because they were now using sound. And how that scene just got more and more chaotic to mm-hmm. the point where I'm like laughing my ass off. Yeah. So that was a really great scene with um, with her. Yeah. Um. I also want to discuss the epic outdoor shot. Which one? Well, the outdoor scene when um, where Die- not where Manny uh, works with Brad Pitt's character. Oh, that first time he was on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how like pure like this this film is chaos. It it shows like the chaotic nature of like making a film in that time during like the silent era. Yeah, like the late twenties. Mm. And how. Um, they show the director, he's like filming all these people and these, it's like these people are getting hurt for real. Mm-hmm. Somebody actually like dies at one point. Every time I see a scene like that, mm-hmm. it's funny that that happened. Cause every time I see an old movie mm-hmm. with like a large, like battle scene, mm-hmm. I'm like, I wonder how many people actually got hurt or died. Yeah. Yeah. Cause safety, cause like safety rules weren't really mm-hmm. a thing or like how many horses died. Yeah. And then like, it like all adds up to this very... Um, beautiful shot of Brad Pitt's character um, seeing the love interest. And it's like, it's that, what's it called? That golden hour shot, mm-hmm. which I thought was like, oh, actual sunset. Yeah. 
<laughs> like when the sun had gone down already. Yeah, yeah. And well, before we before I, I top that off, but like that, like I'll add how Bravis character is like super drunk. Oh yeah. And then he says <laughs> action, and he's just like sobers up. Like yeah. I've heard plenty of stories of like Clark Gable, like him doing that and shit like that, right? Mm. Um, which I thought was like hilarious. I was just like, "Yep, like Tim Chazelle knows his shit." Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it kind of, it kind of, it casts, it casts like how do you say, encapsulate, like why they, why cinema exists. You go through all this chaos just for that one beautiful shot that will always be memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that's what Damon Chazelle was trying to say with that shot because it was like a, it was a fantastic fucking shot. Yeah. And all that chaos like amounts to that, and it's like, yeah, that's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally worth that dead horse. <laughs> and the dead man. And the dead man, exactly. <laughs> Um, any, any other, um, any other, other scenes you want to mention that you might have liked or disliked? Oh, uh, we need to talk about, um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Oh, Tobey Maguire's character. Mm-hmm. He was on the list too. <laughs> oh my God. One, I was like white knuckling that scene. Exactly. So- From the minute I met him, I felt my, my sphincter titan or right, when the when you talk when the character's introduced yeah because right? you make it sound like well when i met Tom mcguire <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then, like this haunting like death look <laughs> on him but with a smirk with his thin lip little smirk yeah. the whole time yeah um and then like that scene where like they take him they take him to like that, that party mm. and they essentially go through like the seven layers of hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> It just gets you know, wild. they didn't make it to the river sticks though. Yeah, I know. Right? It just gets wilder and wilder and wilder. Um, uh, a quick mention to the person who runs the Beyond Fest account. Um, they had said that I can't believe Bar. They I can't believe Babylon went full barbarian for twenty minutes, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah, you've seen that movie. Um, but yeah, like that entire scene, I was like. Oh my god, when are they gonna find out it's fake money? Like holy mm-hmm. fucking shit. Um uh, I especially thought it was funny when uh the Manny character like kills his bodyguard and mm-hmm. now Toby Guard is like, what the fuck? <laughs> we were gonna make movies together. <laughs> <laughs> his bodyguard is dead and is bleeding and dead. <laughs> so we're gonna make movies together. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Um that that part was uh really good. It's I wonder if that place actually existed. You mean like you mean like places like that? No, that particular one. Because they had a specific name for it and they're like, mm. This is like one of the last places that you can go to have some real fun. I think he called it like the asshole of Hollywood. Yeah. I think it probably did exist. I I like Especially because during the late twenties, sideshows were still a thing. Well, yeah, the the dark and depravity of like, I, like think I, I wouldn't doubt it's happening now, but like think about it, like in that time in Hollywood, it was like the Wild West. Mm. Um, there was uh, starlets who would come who would come to Hollywood with big aspirations, and they would overdose or like disappear or like die because some studio exec has the money and power. To like make it happen, mm-hmm. and obviously cops come in. Oh, here's a, it's a few, here's a few grand. Um, that's it. The the first uh, hell room that they went into, though, mm-hmm. I was like, 
rock music didn't exist at that time. <laughs> That's true. That that really felt like 80s to me, uh-huh. that first room. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, yeah, so, like, with, with that whole thing, like, when you're seeing, like, the characters kind of go through, like... Because that's, like, the end of the second act where, like, the heroes are down and stuff like that. Um, uh, I gulped into the mic. Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> um, I I was, like, it was funny because I actually like these characters so, so much um, that I was, like, it's just going to be bad from here on out. And I can't, I, I hate to see them. I hate to see all of them suffer. Yeah. Um, but I do like that some of the characters came out on top. Like, Sidney Palmer, he, like, he... He like dipped out from Hollywood. He was like, "Fuck this place." Mm-hmm. And then Lady Faye Zhu, um, she goes to Europe mm-hmm. to start it, which which is a real thing that happened during the silent era mm-hmm. into the talkies era, where um, a lot of uh, minority actors went to Europe. Even some starlets who were big at t- at a time, like white these white actresses, they mm-hmm. even left the, to Europe and they had like a profitable career. It wasn't as big as their Hollywood years. Mm-hmm. But they they survived. They were like, okay, this is fine. Exactly. What are you looking at? I'm just trying to see if I missed anybody that was removed from the list. Okay. <laughs> um. What else? Uh, yeah, the Cindy Palmer character, I was digging. Um. Oh, what do you think about Brad Pitt's death? Because I feel like that was supposed to be one of the most tragic scenes. I think it was supposed to be, and I don't think it was. Oh, okay. That tragic. Um. I think it was hard hitting because, well, okay, it probably is tragic for most people, yeah. not for me, because mm. of how my mind works and mm-hmm. like, I I feel like um, like my my core muscles tighten up whenever something like that would happen, mm. um, like I felt like I didn't think he was actually gonna do anything like that. I didn't even mm-hmm. think about it. And then he did that, and I'm like, well, that makes sense, because he, especially after the talk he had mm-hmm. with um, Eleanor, mm. um, she was like, well, you'll live on forever after your death. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I'll die. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming when he had it that bellboy a lot of cash. Mm. I was just like, yeah, he's he's going to kill himself right now. Yeah. Um. That, I don't know. That's how I feel about that. I'm like... I didn't, I guess I didn't see enough, like, great quality about him to really care that much about his death, Mm -hmm. but the idea of it was what, I guess, what bothered me. Yeah. Like, the idea of someone knowing they're past their prime and not, it's not sitting right with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I was glad to see Manny make it out. Mm Mm-hmm. He, he ran to Mexico, so that was good. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't really- No, he he, went to New York. Yeah, he ran, he ran to New York, um- I'm glad they didn't show the Margot Robbie character getting killed. Mm-hmm. Like, you find out she dies, like, through a newspaper ad. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, sorry, an obituary. Um, but, yeah, she, like, walks into, like, the darkness. And that's, like, obviously symbolizing, like, okay. Like, that's it. She's going to die. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest complaints, though, is, like, that ending. Because um, oh, he did the same thing at the end of La La Land. The montage thing? Yeah. Remember, like... It was like an alternate reality. That was well, see <coughs> with that that makes sense. That alternate reality between the two main uh, leads. Well, it does. But I'm just saying he did, he made the same he did the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was like 
he saw himself on screen. It's a different montage, but mm-hmm. I feel like he likes montages. Yeah, but I, that's it's the like thing. why would you do that again? <laughs> that's that's the thing because I think his I think his montage at the end was like too on the nose. Yeah, like like we got the idea for the three hours long. Yes, you love cinema. Yes, you love the history of it. Yes, you love the movie magic of it and everything. And at the end, how he just goes to this quick montage of like significant films, the age of cinema, and how it advanced over time and everything. And his love for um, Nelly Leroy and what yeah. could have been. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, all right, dude, we got it. <laughs> like, you fucking, we fucking got it. You didn't have to like hit me over the head with it. Mm-hmm. So that was like the, that was like, he could have like just taken that scene where, Manny's watching the movie, and the woman, the woman in the movie, it was supposed to be Nelly Leroy. It didn't look like Margot Robbie, but clearly that was supposed to be the Nelly Leroy character. Mm-hmm. And him crying, that would have like just been, I think, just as poignant as like, oh, he like misses her. Mm-hmm. He still thinks about her and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, like I said, just hit you over the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. <clears throat> Do you think people should check this movie out? Um, I don't think this movie's for everybody. Yeah. But definitely if you love cinema. Mm. Oh, I think we should kind of bring up the one thing that we said afterwards, too, mm. is that this movie is a better representation, I guess, of Hollywood mm-hmm. than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, I, I rethought about that statement. Mm. I think it's, it still stands true, um, but because it's we're looking at two different errors... We're looking from the silent era to the talkie era. And then in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we look from... Uh, like the 60s and 70s? Yeah, up until like the, the golden age of cinema, up until like when that dies, which happens like in the 70s. That's when the golden age of cinema ends. So um, I, what I, and what I'm getting at is that I think I, I just enjoyed Damon Chazelle's interpretation of that than Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because most of the movie was just them driving around. Yeah. And that's like the thing that like kind of like bugged the fuck out of me. Like I get you want to show LA and stuff like that. Um, with few scenes of showing like Hollywood, like uh, movie magic and stuff. But like. Like I'll, it focused too much on the, like the characters outside mm-hmm. of like the, the, their place in Hollywood or in yeah. LA. Like it's just them as people. And you're like, okay, but this could be any other film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, like I said, I will say that, like I said, I did enjoy Damon Chazelle's depiction of Hollywood as opposed to Quentin Tarantino's, um, because I seem, I feel like it was more raw. It was more like this shit was fucking crazy, but that's how it was, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of giving me an alternate reality where like Sharon Tate survives. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's a spoiler, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you, Kelsey. This isn't for everybody, but, uh. I did enjoy it. I, this might be like my... Th- well, he's only made about four films. Mm-hmm. So this is about like my third one. Gotcha. My third favorite, Damon Chazelle. It's almost as good as La La Land. Oh, so La La Land does make it... Uh, I think The way you talk about it sometimes, you make it sound like it's the bottom of your list. No, that's First Man. Um, the First Man's the bottom? Yeah, because I saw that movie once, and I, and I almost forgot it as quickly as I walked out of the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, Babylon is one I'm like I, I I think the reason why Babylon is not this in the second spot is because it can be a little bit too chaotic, mm. you know. Like it's not as like well put together like La La Land, where La La Land had like a very cohesive story and not a whole lot of shh 
shit thrown in your face. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed some of that from Babylon, but other times I'm like, all right, slow down. <laughs> slow down, man. You're doing too much cocaine. You're giving me motion sickness. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's it for yeah. our review. Unless you want to add anything else. Nope. Nope. All right. So, uh, like the like our Avatar episode, there will be no variety time for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we got something else up. Next, and what do you think that is? Are you gonna talk about now? (laughs) (laughs) Now we are going to do our geriatric cinematic of the Coen Brothers Barn Fink. Welcome to Los Angeles, Mr. Fink. Excuse me. Howdy, neighbor. Are you a writer, Mr. Fink? Actually, I'm writing for the pictures now. Oh, it's an exciting time. The writer is king here at Capitol Pictures. We're only interested in one thing. Can you tell a story, Bond? Can you make us laugh? Can you make us cry? Can you make us want to break out? Enjoy a song. Is that more than one thing? Okay. Devil on the canvas. 12 apple, take one. Just having trouble getting started. Wallace Spirit. Wrestling picture. What do you need? A roadmap? We all need understanding, Barton. Oh, you'll lick this picture business, believe me. You got a head on your shoulders. And what is it they say? Where there's a head, there's hope. This film came out in 1991, and the synopsis is a renowned New York playwright is enticed to California to write for the movies and discovers the hellish hellish truth of Hollywood. Written and directed by Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen, it stars John Turturro, John Goodman, and Judy Davis. Wow, Judy Davis. I wonder what happened to her. (laughs) Did Uh, you put that list down too? Or did I only have three? No, you only had three. And that one was short. Yeah. You only had three. Mm. I did not cut it down at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Coen Brothers, uh, Barton Fink. Um, it's funny. This this is their most uh, accurate portrayal of, like, Hollywood and, like, writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I read somewhere that this is, like, Charlie Kaufman's favorite movie. Mm. Um, however, it's, like... It's not my least favorite part. I mean, it's not my least favorite Coen Brothers movie, but it's the one I don't really revisit. I saw it like maybe, maybe like twice before putting up that DVD. What's your least favorite one? Probably Blood Simple, but that's like their first movie. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I don't like Simple Man. You hate that movie. You really hate that movie. No, it's just depression on film the whole time. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. No. You know, the, to feel alive, you have to watch somebody get beat the fuck up. Yeah. So it's great. That's why I'm planning on getting you beat up. Oh, okay, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> Barton Fink, 1991. Um, like I said, I haven't this movie in some time. Um, but I, I've always been a fan of like when films depict like the insanity of being a writer, mm-hmm. uh, if it's done well. Um, but you know, as usual, no one gives a shit about what I think. What matters most is uh, what does Kelsey think? I don't love this movie. Did you at least like it? I tolerated it. Oh, okay. And it's not for nothing. Like mm-hmm. um, John Turturro. I love him in anything. He was actually good in this movie. Yeah, so. he's a great actor. Um, 
Actually, I became a f- like a low key fan of his ever mm-hmm. since Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, which I actually introduced you to that one, didn't I? Um, I, I brought it over. And- n- yeah, you did. I I've seen um I seen like bits and pieces of it, but you're the one who were like, no, let's like sit and like watch this movie. Mm. Um, did you like that one? Since we're talking about Cohen, yeah, it's great. It's a great story of the Odyssey. Yeah, uh, Homer's Odyssey. Mm. It's a great fucking st- uh, allegory or kind of like version of of that story. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so I liked him and John Goodman. I liked too. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about Judy Davis's character. Yeah, her her. I mean, just like the Jean Smart character, her character's kind of wasted yeah. in this movie. Um, I get the whole idea of like. Writers come to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I think that it's almost like a non-starter, though, with uh, Barton Fink, because mm. he didn't come to Hollywood for fame. Uh, no, he he figured that his... <coughs> sorry. He figured his ne- his next step, his next progressive step, was to become a scriptwriter in Hollywood. Because he was already... Because John Turturro's character was already, like, a well-accomplished uh, playwright. No, he was arguing with people who told him to go to Hollywood. He's like, no, my place is here. Yeah. And they finally, like, I don't know, annoyed him enough. Mm. Where he's like, all right, I'll go to Hollywood. Because mm. maybe I can make some money so I can come back and help the, the common man oh, yeah, at home. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that's I right. don't think that this is, like, a great example of people coming to Hollywood for, f- like, fame and glory. Because that's not what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did still get the shit end of the stick. Yeah. Um, yeah, you really feel, you really feel bad for that character. Um, cause he, he writes the script about the wrestler and he's like, this might be my best work ever. And he gives it to the studio exec and studio exec is like, this is shit. Yeah. Like, we were supposed to be making a wrestling movie. What the, what the fuck is any of that? A guy who wrestles with a soul. We don't want that. Which I think is a great, <laughs> a great example of Hollywood. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but also in my mind when he said that, I'm like, what the fuck did you expect from a playwright? I know, right? Who got rave reviews for a show that was about people's emotions and how the life affects them. Like, mm. what did you think he was going to write? Yeah, I know, right? Um, and then Charlie Meadows, uh, the John Goodman character. Mm-hmm. That guy was like, I didn't expect him to turn heel the way he did. Oh, you find out he was like a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. And no. I think, and then I think he killed Audrey Taylor. Huh. Yeah, because you know, never how thought he, of, I funny thing. I like I said, I only seen it twice, but it, it never occurred to me. Yeah, how else would she have? Because I don't, I know for a fact John uh, Turturro's character didn't do it. Like mm. Martin Fink didn't do that. Yeah. Um, I guess because I'm, I'm thinking because uh, the way how the John Turturro character is so wired, Barton Fink is just so wired and so aware of his surroundings that um, he wouldn't he would notice somebody coming into the room and then like or somebody especially John Goodman's size and like murdering her. Yeah. Then well, then the other thing is like if you think about it. He was so fucking tired from that day. And he was like, I really need to fucking figure this script out. Mm. Then he started drinking. Mm. So, of course, he's going to be fucking out like a yeah. fucking light. Then, then the, um, then the uh, Audrey Taylor character wore him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, though I, I can't still make sense of what happened to her. 
Her body? No, um, he's not her husband, but... Oh, the the writer? Yeah. Um, Like, I know he disappeared, but they never found him. Yeah. I, I I would take it as, like, his... Maybe he got drunk and he fell down a hole or some shit like that. Oh, like she wasn't there to save him? Yeah. Um... So yeah, the whole John, the whole Charlie Meadows thing kind of was like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. I like, I know of that time, like there are people who were just doing crazy shit still in Hollywood and like mm. killers were a huge thing. It was like a fad. Yeah. Cause, cause there was, there wasn't like the technology we have now where like you're like, there are killers out there, but the serial killer thing is not as often. It's not as much as us. It's not as prevalent as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And obviously during that time, like cops were just as incompetent, if not more than when they were back than when they are now mm-hmm. um so obviously he would like be fucking getting away with that shit yeah um what else i think it what do you think about the director or the the sorry the producer the guy who wanted him in hollywood in the first place who um, had him over at the pool and was like kissing his shoe uh <coughs> So sorry. <coughs> Michael Lerner. Michael Lin- Lerner. Michael Lerner who played Jack uh, Lipnick. Um that's uh, like a, that's honestly a great depiction of 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 Hollywood of like you, yeah like how they 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 think they have the next great writer under like in their studio, right? They're going to make this great picture and shit like that. Um and uh, like there's that there's that whole pool scene where um, John Polito's character Lou Breeze tells uh, John tells Barton Fink like, hey, like the boss asked you a question, so you better answer him, and like like just kind of summing it up. And Lipnick is just like, how dare you talk to this artist? You know all this kind of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Because they think they have the like the next big Hollywood film, they have the next Gone with the Wind or whatever. Right. Um, so I think that depiction was 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 I liked it, especially like when he gets the script and he's like, "This is shit." I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's how they work." <laughs> um, do you think is it like that's exactly how they were back then? That his character's not on an exaggeration at all. Um, from like the stories and documentaries I've seen. Yeah, they're like they're fucking ball busters, because they have because I mean despite- well ball busters is one thing, but he seems like he's on speed the whole time. Um, I won't. I'm not going to necessarily say like they all had that attitude of just like of like you said being on speed, but they had that very mentality. They had that very strict mentality of like this is the business. Like there's glitz and glamour, but I want to make money. I. I think out of everything, that might be one of the things that I have issue with is mm. not like I get that, but like the whole it's almost manic. Like he has ADHD, yeah. and every time you show a producer in any film, like even in in Babylon, mm-hmm. like any of the, like the big decision makers were like that too, or like I think some of that is a bit of an of a over exaggeration. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it would be nice to kind of see this film because okay. It's not that I have a problem with that type of depiction. Mm. I think that it doesn't match with most of the rest of the film. Oh, I get what right? you're saying. Because like, Barton yeah. Fink is pretty... Um, 
reserved. Mm-hmm. And even like John Goodman's already wild. Yeah. Like, so he already has that. And, mm. and I just think that it it could be played a little differently. I get what you're saying. Cause like at, at, cer- at certain points, it kind of starts turning like surreal. More like comical. Yeah. Al- almost like on the edge of that. Yeah. And then here's like this guy who's just kind of like coming at Barton Fink like super hard and stuff like that. And it's almost like a reality shift. And then you have the the writer, mm. um, who is Audrey Taylor's um, boss or whatever. Yeah, John Mahoney, who played W.P. Uh, Mayhew. It just seems like everything he ran into from start to finish was bullshit. Yeah, and some of and a lot of it was exaggerated. Mm. So it's like like to me also, Barton Fink seemed like a pretty sensible guy. Mm-hmm. He would have just left. That's true. Like I feel like um, things were too annoying or too hard or too mm-hmm. um, like uninspiring for him there for him to mm-hmm. want to stay there for any length of time. Well, I think I think the I think the idea. Well, one I think his one I think his ego was the was one of the things that kept him there because he kept trying to say like the common man. I'm doing this for the common man, mm-hmm. right? And then there was there was parts of the conversations between Fink and Meadows. And then, like, Meadows is kind of, like, getting in. He's about to get into details about his life, the story of the common man. Mm -hmm. And Fink would, like, cut him off and go into, like, his rant of, like, you know, art is this and, you know, writing is this and blah, 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 and everything like that. And it was like he was hyping himself up to kind of, like, because he felt that, like, um, this is a challenge that I got to overcome because I'm doing it for the common man. And it's. Oh, sorry. So maybe the rest of the film isn't really what I had an issue with. Maybe mm. it's him. Mm, okay. Um, like, they're just not matching. So maybe mm. if he showed that side of him more instead mm. of being quiet or bewildered the whole time, mm. then maybe it would have been a better film. Um, I think... It just doesn't match. It, it, it makes it... I, but I think that's on purpose because this is like... This this dude who is a writer, he's, he's still an outsider. He's not like an actual... I mean, he's a writer, but he's like... Not a scriptwriter. Like, there's a, there's a, I mean, obviously you wouldn't know this. There's like a stark difference between playwright and like script writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there's this, um, there's this show, there was a show on Showtime called Californication starting, starring David Duchovny as a writer. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like this dude who's like, who get, who has a book, it gets made into a film, and he like, he kind of like rolls off of like his fame off of that. And there's this scene. <laughs> <clears throat> there's a scene when um the david duchovny character um interacts with a college professor mm-hmm. who's also a, he's an english college professor who's also a writer and uh david duchovny says to the guy he goes oh what are you a script writer he goes he, the guy says something like what does he say I want to be respected. Like, something like that. Like, are you joking? Mm-hmm. So, I think there's, like, it's supposed... I think with the whole thing, how he doesn't match the John Turturro character, doesn't match with the movie, I think that's, like, on purpose of how much he claims to know so much about writing, but he doesn't know everything about writing. Mm-hmm. I can see that, but I still think it doesn't match. Like, mm. like I almost can't get past it. Okay. That's understandable. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Um... Well, we focus so much on the acting and the and some of the um, story. What do you think of the Coen Brothers directing? 
And to me, it wasn't really anything special. Mm. And it's, to me, it's really strange. Like, you already have kind of like this, like, mishmash of, like, personalities in this film. Mm. Some of which go well together and some that don't. Yeah. Um, that they kind of go through everything very linearly. And mm. and I know it's on purpose that you feel alone with Barton Fink, mm. which I kind of did, but in an annoying kind of way. It, yeah. was like, it was like, not not like, oh, I'm sad because I'm alone, but I'm frustrated. And I don't, I don't watch movies to be frustrated. Mm, okay. Um, but also, um, when John Goodman at the end... Like when he starts walking down the hallway mm. and it's catching on fire. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like it actually wasn't on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just out of left field to me compared to the rest of the movie. Yeah. It and it like, was very David Lynchian. Yeah. It, it like, it, it comes out of, it does really come out of nowhere. Um, like this is one of those movies where, it it dumps it jumps to this whole surrealness, and you're just kind of like, what? what? <laughs> like, even like up to the end where, um, um, where Fink gets turned in the script and the studio execs like, you know, this is shit. But I got you on a contract, so like you're gonna be here for a while. And he goes to the beach, and when he goes to the beach, it's almost the exact same. Um, setup as the picture he had been staring to staring into for some of the movie mm-hmm. um so it kind of like opens up this door of like all right is he like in his head now like is, is he it did like reality finally finally break and maybe he's just like sitting in that room staring at that picture mm-hmm. like trapped for like ever did he find escape in it yeah yeah exactly um like there's all these theories about the movie too. Like what's it trying to say? Like the symbolism and everything. Um, uh, like I'll read you a little bit from uh, IMDb. Uh, much has been written about the symbolic meanings of Barton Fink. Uh, Raul uh, proposes. Uh, oh, Rawell. Sorry, it doesn't say exactly who that is because I'm just jumping around. Proposes that it's a figurative head swelling of ideas that all lead back to the artist. And the proxy of the sex scene to Audrey's murder prompts. Uh, uh, Leon's to insist sex and Barton Fink is death. Others have suggested that the second half of the film is an extended dream sequence. I don't think that's true. The dream sequence? Yeah. Why do you think that's not true? Um, because they would have made that a little bit more apparent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. One, one theory, one is that the homoerotic overtones of Barton's relationship with Charlie are not unintentional. Although one detective demands to know if they had some sex thing, their intimacy is presented as anything but deviant and cloaked in conventions of mainstream sexuality. Charlie's first friendly overture toward his neighbor, for example, comes in a form of a standard pickup line. I feel better about the damn inconvenience if you let me buy you a drink. The wrestling scene between Barton and Charlie is also cited as an example of homoerotic affection. Quote, we consider that a sex scene, Joel said... Joe Cohen said in 2001. And I, I I got that, especially like how the camera is angled a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like almost like John comes on all four is like, do me doggy style. That's what, that's yeah. what I kind of got when yeah. I saw that scene. I got that too. Yeah. Um, so you're not, because I've introduced you to a couple of 
Coen Brother films? I'm like down the middle. I either love them or I hate them. Okay, so Circuit of Witch. So let's let's just kind of go through their IMDb list of the movies that I know I've shown you. So um, actually, let me start from the top. Uh, the Tragedy of Macbeth. That was actually done by, uh, I believe it was done by Joel. That's the one with Denzel Washington, That's right? the one that we did a whole review on that Yeah, one. I love that one. Okay. Uh, the Ballard of Buster Scruggs. That's that, that's that anthology No, I know one. which one that is, and mm-hmm. I'm, I liked that one, but I didn't love it. Okay. Uh, Hell Caesar. Hate it. You hate it? Uh, you haven't seen Inside Lewin Davis. But also, I haven't seen that um, recently. Maybe my mind might have changed about it because I, I might not have understood it when it came out. I remember we went to like a screening for that one. Yeah, I didn't. I just maybe I didn't get it. Um, did you ever see True Grit? True Grit? No. Uh, oh, your favorite. A Serious Man. Hate that one. Okay. Uh, have a show you burn after reading. Did you ever see No Country for Old Man? No. All right. I have a problem with that ending. <laughs> the Lady Killers? No. All right. Uh, you haven't seen The Man Who Wasn't There. Or intolerable cruelty. Cruelty. How can I see a man who's not there? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, oh, you. Uh, I know your take on your opinion on Old Brother. Where art thou? I love that movie. Didn't I buy you the soundtrack for that? I feel like I bought you the vinyl soundtrack. You for did. That. Okay. Um, I love that fucking movie. You know which one I haven't showed you, and <laughs> I'm like, I keep kicking myself. I'm like, why haven't I shown showed this movie? The Big Lebowski. Oh yeah. That is John that, Goodman's in that one too. That is, that's one of the movies my friends and I used to quote a lot. Because it's a whole lot of nothing happening. That's funny. Um, did you ever watch the Fargo movie? I know you're on the series now. No. Okay. Uh, you've never seen Hudsucker Proxy. Uh, obviously, Barton, well, we'll hold off on Barton Fink. Um, well, I already gave my opinion of it anyway. Well, we'll give you like your final opinion yeah. on it. Um, Raising Arizona? Love, I love that movie. That's that's a great. I think that's like that might be my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love that movie. Um, and Barton Fink. I don't like it. You don't like it. Even it it just got... it's too frustrating for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Damn, I was really. I think that's why I don't <laughs> like. Um, I said a simple man earlier, but it's a serious man. A serious because, man, yeah. Because it's too frustrating. Like, there's no trade off. Yeah, because how he's just how the main character is getting like the shit beaten out of him. Yeah, um, you might like Inside Lewin Davis. I like that movie because that movie is about depression, mm-hmm. like a lot. And Oscar Isaac does like this great role of just like someone who's just. Ooh, Oscar Isaac is my favorite. Yeah, one of my favorites. So you might, I think you might take that one. Mm. Okay. Um, all right. So with that being said. Do you think this movie still holds up? No. Uh, I think it does. Mm. And I actually enjoy revisiting this movie. I think I, I think I might revisit it more often. Um, like I, you like it more now than you did before? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I like, I like I said, back then, I was just kind of going all over the place of like what films I want to watch and everything. And now I've kind of gotten a bit older. I'm like... All right, I like a specific type of movie or specific types of movies. Um, and I especially gravitate towards like coming of age stories. I love a good coming of age story um, or like a, a film about writing, mm-hmm. like, a, like a well-depicted film about writing. Like, for example, like we did Adaptation mm-hmm. and I almost forgot how great that fucking movie is. We did Ed Wood. 
To me, that's also another caricature of Hollywood. Yeah. But that's why I feel like it's kind of like the same feel mm-hmm. as like as far as how how directors and writers seem to portray Hollywood and like producers and all this stuff. Mm. Um. So that's why I think I kind of feel sometimes the way I do about like okay, I've seen this character a thousand fucking times before. Uh, gotcha. The caricature of the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's about it. As Kelsey drinks her water out of, out of her kid's pink <laughs> plastic cup. Hey, uh, I made it last. <laughs> that's true. Uh, all right, is there anything else? No. No. All right, so that's going to be our show for this week. We would like to... That'll be the last show for this week and for this year. Yeah. Um, so we'd like to thank everybody for joining us on uh, t- this week's second episode. Um we would like to thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast on their website. For all your film news, TV news, and reviews, go to yourentertainmentcorner.com. I like how you have dot spelled out in every single... Because I think... Because if you actually put dot com, it, like, it hyperlinks it on its own. You could unhyperlink it. I don't want to go through all that work. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't be afraid to drop us a line at the real appeal. Uh, that's real with two E's at gmail.com. Uh, like I said, you can find us on all podcast catchers. You know, don't be afraid to uh, review us on whatever podcast catcher you are using. Um, so we're going to be back, not next week, because that's the new year. And also, we might be too tired to record <laughs> <Yeah>. after <laughs> celebrating the new year. Yeah. Um, but we're going to be back the week after. Um because on January 6th, uh, Bloomhouse Pictures, it's a, no, I'm sorry, Universal. Universal Pictures. But it is Bloomhouse too. No, it's Universal Pictures. It's actually, I think it's, oh, it's in conjunction, that's right, because yes. they're working together. Yes. Um, so we're going to be reviewing Megan, uh, <laughs> uh, which is in theaters Friday, January 6th. I can't wait to watch that movie. Yeah. Because it's, it's by the same writer of, of, um. Uh, Malignant. Yeah. And all that movie was fucking <laughs> wild. Um, so, yeah, that movie's in theaters. Um, with that, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to be doing our geriatric cinematic, which is 1988's uh, Child, Child's Play. Uh, that film is streaming on Showtime and is available to rent on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube TV, and other VOD services. Uh, the topic for that week's episode will be. Where do they get those wonderful toys? That's from Batman. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we take off, I would like to give thanks to everybody who's been listening to us, who's been sticking with us for this year. Um, I know our schedules have been kind of going yeah it's been kind of going all over the place you know we'll like do one episode a week and maybe not do another one like two weeks later or something like that we're you know we got lives we're kind of getting tired and stuff not tired doing the podcast we just we're just getting up there in age (laughs) yeah it's age it's definitely not because all of our other things in life are you know (laughs) taking over yeah you know kids and work and stress yeah yeah anxiety Um, yeah um so yeah like thanks for downloading the episode spreading the word anything continue to do that please because like we love talking about film and we love to share our opinions and we love it that you folks are listening to us and hopefully you know 
you either learned something new or we've mm-hmm. made you laugh. Yeah, exactly. That's all we care about. Um, and I would like to admit that this is one of the things, uh, one of the good things that just kind of keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few times you're like, should we stop doing this? Uh, yeah, I know. Right? I'm like, I feel like you only ask me when you're depressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, not just like recording, just like talking about film and talking to Kelsey about film. Um, yeah, you should definitely stop that too. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't talk about film like at all. Let's just talk about apples, apples, and ancient aliens and the dog whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you didn't know his name was Caesar. You're like, I thought, I thought, I thought he was just dog whisperer. I just called him dog whisperer. That's all I knew. Man. <laughs>